This is Michelle Ruff, the voice of Joe Valentine. And when I'm not stranded on the Queen Zenobia, I listen to the Crimson Head Elder podcast. Can you see that area behind me beneath the red tinted sky? That is what's left of Raccoon City. Our platoon is cut off. No survivors found. Die. Wait, don't shoot! Down! I lost all my men because of her! All is lost. Cries of agony. Unity breeds power. Welcome to the Crimson Head Elder podcast, the number one survival horror podcast, bringing our listeners the very best guests from the genre, including developers and actors from the world of Resident Evil. Tonight's special guest is no stranger to taking on iconic roles. Having played American blues singer Robert Johnson in Kevin Hart's Guide to Black History, but Resident Evil fans will know him for playing the truly legendary Marvin Branagh. It's our great pleasure to welcome Christopher Michael Watson. Yeah! <laughs> Hi, yes, thank you for having me. Oh, well, it's our, <laughs> it's our pleasure. I hope you're having a good day. I'm fantastic, man. I'm really looking forward to this uh, this interview, yeah. You're over in L.A., aren't you? Yeah, yeah, I'm over here in L.A. It's a little bit of an overcast day, but uh, still very nice. <laughs> Now, asking the questions that were kindly posted at our website by so many passionate fans of this superb remake of Resident Evil 2, and of course fans, Chris, of your wonderful performance, are myself, George Trevor, and with the first question, we have the Oracle Dragon. Hello, everyone. Hello, Chris. Hello. The question is very simple. How are you doing today? That's the first part. I'm, I'm doing fantastic. That's a good That's a good softball for me to knock out of the park. I'm doing very well today. I'm very happy to be on the podcast and to talk about Resident Evil and all things kind of horror. You all have been very gracious and kind to me. And uh, yeah, I'm very open to, to talk about anything and uh, the experience. I love gaming and the whole thing. So yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm ready to talk about it. Excellent. Question comes from Edward Wesker, 187 from Texas, Eliza De La Cruz, and myself. We all asked, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and how you got the big break, which allows you to develop an acting career leading to the performing with Capcom's flagship series, Resident Evil? Absolutely. Thank you all so much for that question. I've been acting pretty much my entire life. I come from Atlanta, Georgia, and I decided to move out to L.A. once I felt the time was proper. I got my BFA in acting from Florida State University and spent some time in Atlanta doing regional theater and got some commercial work and uh, a few show credits. Then I came out here to L.A. and uh, gaming was always something I wanted to get into because I've, I've been a gamer my entire life. And I always thought it was something I'd, I'd have to um, wait until maybe I, I gained some success somewhere else to hopefully jump into the, the gaming industry. But through an audition, I booked a video game called Archangel, which I played the uh, lead role in, which was uh, Skydance Interactive's first video game they actually put out for uh, this new branch of their production company. And it's a VR title that you can play on Oculus and PS4 and, uh, and on PC. That is the first time I worked with Tom Keegan, who is the uh, motion capture director for Resident Evil 2. And he brought me on. 
on. He was really into the emotion of the character and what he was going through, which sounds very base, but a lot of times people, they really aren't interested in that. They're trying to yeah, go absolutely. more so for a look or, or a sound, just trying to make you manufacture something to get an, an emotion instead of truly living and breathing and reacting as you would. And so I, I remember him really honing in on that. And then um, I booked it. I remember booking the, the lead for this video game and it ended up being, uh, as I said before, Archangel. And Tom Keegan was the director. A few years probably later, I get a message from Tom saying that he's working on a new project and he would like to bring me on. And it ended up being this. It ended up being Resident Evil 2. And I was just blown away. I mean, to even work on one video game ever in my life, I was like, okay, you know what? That was my luck. My luck is up now. I've done I've done a great thing and that was cool. But to get something that I was so familiar with as just a franchise and being a general nerd myself uh, <laughs> and knowing how big it would be when it released and immediately feeling the dread and the uh, <laughs> the uh, the expectations of, wow, what is it that I have gotten myself into? And hopefully I do not ruin this this franchise and this game, which obviously is not on one person to do. But yeah, it was it was an amazing experience to get this video game and, and it's such an amazing honor and it's something I will I'll never forget. My interest peaked when you mentioned how Tom was very much focused on the emotional aspect because that really comes through in your performance. And when I saw the you know the first cut scene and first trailer involving Marvin, that's really what grabbed me was your performance, the delivery of your lines, whether it was with a slightly more sterner tone with Leon or a more caring, almost fatherly protection role with Claire. It really does come through in the cadence, which was absolutely fantastic. Thank you so much. I, I really, I have to give credit, uh, obviously to Tom, but also just at, at how far technology has come these days in order for us to to do these performances and for it to translate so seamlessly to the video game. I remember seeing the, because uh, I saw the trailer pretty much at the same time as, as the rest of the world did when it came out for E3. I just remember being so blown away by how nothing was lost from my from my performance. Like every almost little detail that I did was able to be captured and rendered. And so it was just I, I had goosebumps truly from seeing it. So, yeah, I, I experienced, I think, the same thing that everyone else did. I, I The performance that I gave, I feel truly was translated. Anything in particular that you brought to that delivery because your natural speaking voice to me certainly doesn't sound, Marvin's voice to me sounds very different to your normal speaking voice. Oh, sure. I mean, he's he's under an extreme amount of duress. And that's something that I, I chalk up to Tom. We really spent a lot of time being very specific about what his injuries were, how he got them, where they were placed, how they affected him when he walked, how they affected him when he talked. The progression that it, that was something I was I myself wanted to keep a, a good detail about was the progression of his injury, because as time goes along, it gets worse. And so he has to also degrade as a character in his energy. And so we, we worked a lot on that to make that specific, to give the, the, the player and the, uh, the audience just a sense of, oh, wow, this guy is he's not doing well and it's getting worse rapidly. Yeah, that, that was something we worked on uh, in detail. And so when you do that, it takes your voice somewhere. It takes your energy somewhere. Sometimes getting into a character is easier when you have the physicality down. And so having that that hunch over and, and, and knowing exactly where the pain was and where it was pressing, it kind of just automatically drops you into that. We've spoken to so many wonderful actors. When we get to speak to yourself at Gamer, it's fantastic that you can get to really appreciate the genre that you've been a passionate fan of to begin with. 
Oh yeah, absolutely. It's truly like a goal that I've had in my life, like <laughs> written down, be in a video game, work in video games somehow, whether it was voiceover. The motion capture was just like, it was just icing on the cake. I was just hoping to get some voiceover work done, but being able to actually act, do what you love to do for something that you love, it was just, it was a marriage made in heaven. You're safe for now. Thanks. Marvin Brown. Leon Kennedy. There was another officer I, I couldn't... I couldn't... Here. I'm sure you did what you could, Leon. Does anyone know what started this? Not a clue. But honestly, all you need to know is that this place will eat you alive if you aren't careful. Yeah, well, I was supposed to start last week, and I got a call to stay away. I wish I'd come here sooner. You're here now, Leon. That's all that matters. Okay, Lieutenant. I'm ready. Hopefully you'll be able to find a way out of this station. That officer you met earlier, Elliot, he thought this secret passageway might do the trick. This is good news. We can get you to a hospital. No, no, I am not the priority here. Lieutenant, I'm not just gonna leave you here. I'm giving you an order, rookie! You save yourself first. I'd come with you, but I'd just slow you down. Now... You'll need this. I can't take it. Stop. And don't make my mistake. If you see one of those things, uniform or not, you do not hesitate. You take it out. Or you run. Got it? Yes, sir. We've got some wonderful questions that you so kindly agreed to answer, Chris. Batgirl26 from Connecticut. She says, Chris, your portrayal of Marvin was was amazing. You gave him more depth and showed a different side to this iconic character. Jumping into a big fandom like the Resident Evil universe can be daunting. How have you been received by the fans? I believe daunting is the uh, the perfect word for that. As I said, as a uh, fan of so many franchises myself, and, you know, as fans, we can all be very critical because these things are very near and dear to us and mean so much and have marked certain times in my life. I have found the reception from the fans to be nothing but uh, genuous and very warm. I mean, uh, especially on Twitter, like seeing the uh, the reactions of, of how people feel bad for what they have to do to Marvin or, you know, whatever <laughs> <laughs> choices they might have to make in approaching him. People are very clever and it, it, it truly makes me laugh, the, the wit that people have. Marvin is such an iconic character. You got to consider that because everybody felt so sorry for what happened to him. Absolutely. He's he's definitely a sacrificial character. I think that's why, yeah, so many people relate to him or feel for him because he's literally giving his life in order for you, the uh, protagonist, to continue on in in the story. And uh, it's a very huge sacrifice. Well, that's one of the things I really enjoyed that they gave you the lines to allow you to bring that through because not so much in his sort of very first outing in the original Resident Evil 2, but I'm not sure, Chris, how familiar you are with a game Resident Evil Outbreak that came out a few years after the original Resident Evil 2 in 2003. The same narrative, but gamers were able to play it online. I did a little research once I uh, booked the game on kind of the entire series. And so, yeah, I, I am a little familiar with Outbreak. 
I really felt in Outbreak, Marvin really is portrayed as sacrificing himself and, and saving his fellow officers, and it really is quite emotional. Outbreak was ahead of its time, and the cutscenes involving Marvin are, are, are emotional, and that really comes through in those cutscenes, the sacrifice. So without your performance, it doesn't happen, but you knocked it out of the park. You were absolutely fantastic. Thank you all so much. I, yeah, the uh, the reception and uh, the appreciation of the fans of uh, bringing Marvin to life is it's what you want to hear and it's what you hope comes across because uh, this really meant a lot to me getting this role and wanting to do it justice and to and just being a fan myself, wanting to give the fans a memorable moment because those are the things that matter. Those are the things to me that go down in history. Like when I think back on games that I've played, it's those moments of, of a character uh, you've been traveling with or dealing with for so long, passing away or something along those lines. So uh, I'm really glad that my performance has, has uh, gone over well with people. This question comes from Doomkeeper. I have no idea where they come from, but the question is simple. I read on Twitter, Nick and Stephanie, who played Leon and Claire, are big gamers and played Resident Evil loads as fans. In an interview with Crimson Head Elder, Jolene Anderson, who played Ada Wong, told us she gave up video games in her childhood. So which side do you fall on? Are you a gamer or non-gamer? <laughs> that's, a, that's a real easy one for me. I am definitely a gamer. I have been a gamer for as long as I can remember, my and my father helped to aid in that <laughs> in that habit that I had when I was younger. I, I I had pretty much every gaming console I could get my hands on. I had the uh, the Sega Genesis, the Sega Saturn, oh, okay. pretty much every iteration of PlayStation. I had a Dreamcast, the short-lived Dreamcast. Love that. The first Xbox. I've been gaming my entire life. <laughs> I remember, yeah, Nick and Stephanie talking about how how big of gamers there are. Jolene was just like, yeah, I don't, uh, I don't do it that much. <laughs> well, I mean, Jolene certainly back in the day as as a child was, and she was talking about playing Space Invaders. And I just wondered, do you have any particular favorite series or, or particular favorite games? I think the game that kind of in my youth hit me the biggest was uh, Final Fantasy VII. <laughs> because just leading up to that time i never really played a true rpg i don't think okay. and so and also what i've just learned about myself growing up especially in art is that i'm a storyteller and i love stories and i yes. felt that final fantasy 7 was just this massive sweeping story that i was immersed in that yes. that really just had a hold on me for the rest of my life truly so yeah uh. final fantasy 7 is usually is usually my go-to of like the series that kind of has me oh wow i love that answer because I'm, I'm in a huge rpg huge final fantasy fan lots of japanese rpgs absolutely love yeah and, absolutely um, zelda ocarina of time i'd put down as one of my favorite. oh yeah amazing just amazing games and amazing experiences <laughs> and stories yeah I enjoy that little aspect of RPG in Resident Evil, just in terms of the items that you find and the puzzles that you solve. Oh, yeah. There's a survival aspect to it. I think that's what truly sets apart Resident Evil is, uh, I don't know how everyone else feels, but when I'm playing these horror games or these suspense games, like I tr like my chest tightens up and my heart <laughs> races and my palms are sweating and uh, it really does put you on the edge of your seat and gives you like this adrenaline rush. So I think having a lack of items and having to ration yes. things to keep you alive, that's an element to this game that I think a lot of games don't have or they lack, yeah. 
Oh, you're absolutely right. And I think that was unfortunately, without wanting to be too disparaging of previous Resident Evil titles, because we're all huge fans and passionate about this series, but <laughs> that element did diminish in latter titles. But the positive thing from that, it did garner a greater audience with titles like Resident Evil 4 and 5. Yeah. But I was so pleased to see that with the game that you were so fantastic in this remake, that they did keep to that style, to that survival horror style. And it was just so fantastic to see a, you know, a new generation of fans really have taken to this game and I think certainly your performances as voice actors have played a huge part in that. Thank you so much. The story is definitely a big aspect to any game. I think the mechanics as well as you have said is very important as they've evolved uh, throughout the history of Resident Evil specifically. It's it as a game itself and a, a genre has gone through so many iterations as you have said from over the shoulder to the static camera to having item scarcity to not. Yeah, I feel like the franchise has been trying to find the perfect marriage between putting out a game that is faithful to the original uh, series and what it's it's best that and where gaming is heading to now in the future because gaming is doing such uh, great things and, and systems are all so powerful and I, I feel like uh, the remake that we have kind of does a, a good job in marrying those two aspects. Definitely that comes across in, in all the reviews and the fan engagement absolutely. Now on to the next question this comes from Yoke from North America and he asks the main thing I love about replaying the game with Leon and Claire is hearing the different tones you give each you have an amazing range with Leon a fellow cop and someone of lower rank you're stern but obviously care about his well-being with Claire a civilian and sister to a co-worker you're gentle and try to put on a brave face I hope you're given the opportunity to play another role in the series. Is this your first time working on a video game and your first time mocapping? And what made you want to do this? Ah, excellent question. Um, there were uh, discernible differences between Marvin's uh, reactions with uh, Leon and with Claire. And I think that's really where casting comes into play because uh, obviously as actors, we do character work and build a character and uh, history and uh, kind of a, um, just a makeup of who that person is. But really, a lot of it is about energy and, and how the person you're working across, what energy they're giving you. And that's really a person's essence. And um, in acting with both uh, Nick and Stephanie, they, they just both have such natural, uh, strong presences and they're both amazing actors. And so what you see me do is truly I'm just I'm just truly reacting to the energy that they're giving me as the character and so I wasn't I guess consciously trying to be different with them it was just truly what was in front of me and reacting and responding to it with Claire yeah he I think Marvin just felt a uh, he could get his point across with her just with a different um, with, a, with a different uh, point of view or a different process and vice versa with Leon treating him the way he did he felt was just the best way to get the desired results quickly you all right yeah you're safe for now <clears throat> Marvin Brenner thanks. Obviously, someone taught you well. Yeah. I know how to take care of myself. Come on. <clears throat> so nobody knows what caused this? There's a lot of theories. But all I know for sure is that this place is crawling with zombies. Yeah, it's on me. Hey, hey, keep that on. Just in case. Once I find Chris, we're out of here. You really Chris's sister? Yeah. Why? Did you find something? He's on vacation. Europe, I think. 
left weeks ago. That's... that's great news. Well, I've got more for you. Looks like there might be a way out through this secret passageway. Good. <gasps> hey. Uh, hey, we should probably get you to a hospital. Oh, don't forget about me. I can take care of myself. No. Don't be ridiculous. You're gonna need some help. Listen, Claire. Save yourself. So you can see your brother again. Now. You'll probably need this. No, I'm not taking that. You're gonna... And be careful. If you see one of those things. No matter who they were, you can't hesitate. Take them out if you can. Or you run. <laughs> but yeah, I'm glad people picked up on that and that there was a, a difference because they are, they're different energies and different people. What's great about that answer is, is you draw on the fact that you are able to play off and enjoy the performance of your, your fellow actor because in the past with the Resident Evil series we've had some fantastic actors but they haven't been afforded the opportunity to do that, to act alongside each other and to play off and, and to see the emotions you know, as they deliver each other's lines because you know they've been in separate sound booths on separate days and just recording separately of each other. That must be great that you are given that opportunity to act alongside each other. Absolutely. Yeah. And I, I do remember hearing about that. And uh, that's, yeah, that's very unfortunate. It's always better to be in a room with people. And again, I'll give that credit to Tom, because even with uh, in the first video game we worked in, Archangel, he made it a point to try to get all the actors in the same voiceover sessions as often as he could, because it's just his, you know, no one's telling him to do this. He just be truly believes and, and knows that, as we now see with the with the work that Resident Evil has come out with, that it provides a, a better atmosphere for the performance yes. to give a more pure and uh, dynamic performance. Absolutely. And you're more comfortable because it's basically like you're leading up to a regular conversation with each other. You can just feed off each other's sentences uh, and figure it out what to say. You guys get a chance to like interact with each other, but also almost have a feel like a normal conversation with one another. So you basically can figure out what the other person's about to say and then have a reaction for it. That's exactly right. That's exactly what it is, because no matter how great the actor is, if they're trying to manufacture a feeling, it's just always going to be a little off if it was happening in real life. Yeah. Yeah, because some of the voice actors we talk to, some of the lines they'll be given, they don't know how to react to it. Like, there's a line where they have to shout something. They don't know what the situation is. They don't know how the other person's reacting to it. And so basically, they just have to say it the way that they're told to say it. And like, with now, you see what to do with the other character. You know, oh, they're in danger. They're in distress. You have to react in a way that it sounds more natural. Exactly. And you can't you can't fake those tiny moments that really uh, sell it off as something real. I I've had to do that before. Try to do some voiceovers that marry images that I'm seeing in front of me. And yeah, it just it's never as good or they'll they'll tell you to do three different takes of the same line. And what they're able to do with editing is just to kind of put together what takes they want. But even with that, that's still just it's manufactured. It's not real. It's someone trying to create a feeling instead of capturing it and giving it to people, which is what uh, we did. Yeah, because forcing it, it just sounds so plain. Having it come out naturally, perfection. <laughs> right, right, right. You want a little, a little dirt on it. And now, for our very special Crimson Head Elder exclusive, Christopher Michael Watson reprises his role as Marvin Brenna 
exclusively for our podcast to read in character from an iconic Resident Evil file. Leon S. Kennedy, we're putting you on a very special case for your first assignment. Your mission is to unlock your desk. The key to your success is in the initials of our first names. Input the letters in order of our desks. There are two locks, one on each side of your desk. Make sure you get them both. Basically, your first task is to remember your fellow officers' names, but you figured that much out, right? Good luck, Leon. By the way, it might take a little work to get Scott to give you a straight answer. Lieutenant Branagh. Be glad you're not here, rookie. Okay, the next question comes from Bloody Eye from Missouri, Batgirl X26X, and Yoke. It's simple and easy to answer. Do you plan on doing more full performance videos and game acting now that you popped your cherry? For example, how would you feel to reprise your role in a remake of Resident Evil Outbreak or even Resident Evil 3? The simple answer to that is absolutely yes. There is no way I would ever turn down an opportunity to work with this franchise again. I have no word on that. They they keep things so tightly under locks. Yeah, who knows? Whatever happens in the future, I hope the best with everything. But yes, I would love to come back if Capcom is listening. <laughs> yeah, they better be listening because everybody wants Outbreak. And if they do bring Outbreak back, you'll be perfect to portray Marvin again. I think so as well, and I love the fact that uh, a lot of people on Twitter have uh, have taken to to kind of uh, go to bat for that. And so, uh, yeah, hopefully the, the fans are listened to. <laughs> we can only hope. Resident Evil Outbreak, I mean, with your performance, just absolutely made for that game with the greater highlight that they put on Marvin and, and really very much that, you know, sacrificing himself for his fellow officers. Hopefully we will be seeing you soon. I really appreciate it, yeah, and I, I really trust whatever they, they decide to do because uh, they have taken some liberties, I think, even with these remakes, just to, uh, I think, also to keep the loyal fans uh, on the edge of their seats as well, so they're just not replaying a shot-for-shot shot remake, like there's uh, some new elements and they've taken some liberties, and so I think it's great when a franchise decides to kind of rebuild the lore and the story from the ground up, and so, yeah, maybe he'll have a, a bigger part or maybe a smaller, but uh, yeah, hopefully... Hopefully we'll see more of Marvin in the future. There are people who really want a DLC of just basically what happens to Marvin before he meets Leon or Claire. I think that would be great. I mean, like I said, Tom and I, we really worked on a whole backstory about this guy. And uh, yeah, he has a lot of things I think that could be could make for a great game. There you are. Come here. What is it? Take a look. Oh my God, he made it. You know him? Yeah, it's Leon. Uh, Kennedy, I think? Oh, uh, the rookie. Thought he looked familiar. You can make it to that courtyard, the second floor east side. Okay. Thanks, Marvin. I'm on it. Again, we've got Batgirl X26X, Luna Indie Studios from Ohio, and Wonder Man. And Bloody Eye again pops up, and they are all asking, Chris, when preparing for your role as Marvin Branagh, did you refer to any of the older games that your character played a role in, like the original Resident Evil 2 or Resident Evil Darkside Chronicles and, indeed, Outbreak? If so, what did you think of Marvin's past scenes? 
Yes, uh, I did do a research. Absolutely. Coming from a theater background, especially with character building, you always want to go to the source material if there is any. It's just amazing that my source materials for things used to be like Shakespeare or some like <laughs> classical things. And now I get to like play video games as my source material. It's just a dream come true, really. So, yeah, I, uh, I, I, I remember getting the part and I remember immediately going and just looking online to see where it was even possible to play the original Resident Evil 2. And I just couldn't find anywhere uh, to do it. So what I resorted to doing was just finding kind of the more recent installments in the series that I could get my hands on and uh, Resident Evil 4 popped up as one of the more uh, higher rated installments of the, the franchise and so mm. I bought that on my PS4 and just started devouring it man I mean I, I loved it as a game I because I'm, I'm a big first person shooter fan as well and so okay. having the over the shoulder with him and also again having a lack of, of materials and so you have kind of like this scarcity thing going on and the jump scare and the things popping out at you like I get very invested in things and so this was it was just an amazing experience to to delve into man and it just it really helped me to kind of springboard into the whole lore of the world and so I started researching yeah. about everything like where were these the zombie zombies or this uh whatever it was coming from and who was Leon as a, a protagonist and so it was uh, some of the most fun research that I've ever had the, uh, the honor of, <laughs> wow. of being able to do. Yeah. And just hearing that genuine enthusiasm in your voice and passion for the series and for the information and to learn more about it, I'm, I'm sure that just helps to kind of fire your performance and, and bleed through into your performance and why that performance was so strong and the emotion resonated with all the fans. Yeah, absolutely, man. I, I, I cared a lot. I, I, as we all did, as all the actors, I promise you, like no one, no one takes these things lightly. Like we, when you get an opportunity to do something like this, you really, uh, batten down the hatches and, uh, try, try your best at all given times. And it's a marathon, man. I mean, I, I think in total, the entire video game was worked on over a span of five years, I believe. And I, I came on in like the last two or so. People really gave entire portions of their lives to this video game. It was well worth it, and we're all very proud of it. Ready for the next question? This one comes from Negan's Bat, and he says, I thought your dialogue with Leon and Claire had the most emotionally charged lines in the game. You killed it! <laughs> <laughs> I would have liked to have heard more from Marvin, as you have gave him such a strong personality. You definitely did the character justice. Did you know how popular the character was, despite only having two scenes in the original Resident Evil 2? And one of those was as a zombie. Ah, so I didn't play the game originally when it first came out. But uh, as I said, I was a huge gamer even back then. And so I used to subscribe to a lot of video game magazines, whether it was IGN or PlayStation, um, I believe, actually had a video game magazine that they would they would put out. Did you ever get the uh, PlayStation Underground CDs? The ones that always had the demos on them? I did, I did, yeah. I was yes. going to talk about that. I did I did play a Resident Evil game just off of a demo, yeah, because I used to do those, yeah. Yeah, you're not the only one. I finally found another person who got those. Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I remember, I'm trying to remember, there was another game that I really loved. It was like um, like a room game, but like uh, the, the room used to shift and you'd have to like get to like another side of the room or something. There were just a lot of games I remember that were oh, demos so many that good I demos. loved. Oh, that's so amazing that you also did that. Yeah. Yeah, we. I think I still have two or three of those discs. 
oh wow now that's that's got to be worth something mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> whether i would just be in the store like flipping through it like waiting for my mom to finish shopping or you know i would get the subscription i would just be devouring all these video games that were coming out that uh, i had never heard of and resident evil was always was always featured in these video games because yeah. it was doing such groundbreaking things and especially being in this the horror genre there just weren't a lot of games like that and so i i remember being terrified of it as a child to even play like it, <laughs> i was i was too scared to even pick it up but i would see like the images of it in the magazines and i remember seeing images of marvin in there and being a, a young black boy myself it, it wasn't often that you would see a lot of african-american um men in in video games or, or just black people in general and so that's also a big reason why Final Fantasy VII was a huge thing for me. Barrett, seeing Barrett in the in the yes. in the story was a huge like wow. There's like I'm represented in the and it's it's not something you really think about I guess when you're younger, but once you mm-hmm. do see it, it's like oh wow, I'm in this thing too. Like I'm a part of this <laughs> yes. story and uh, and so yeah, I, I I wasn't aware of how popular he was. But I was aware of Marvin as a character. But upon the release of the game and once I was able to kind of talk about it and say that I, I played him, just the um, the outpour of love and, um, yeah, fans and admirers that he the character had already was just amazing. So Marvin really does have a place in the in the Resident Evil canon. Oh, man. Who, who are you? Oh, you must be the new guy. Leon, sorry, but it looks like your party has been cancelled. About two months ago, there was this incident involving zombies in a mansion located in the outskirts of this city. Chris and the other STARS members discovered that Umbrella was behind everything. They risked their lives to reveal the truth, but no one believed them. Not long after that... All this started to happen. Uh, uh. Hang in there. Don't worry about me. Just rescue the survivors in the other rooms. Here, take this key card. You should be able to unlock the doors in the hall with this. Now go. But just go. They really did find an actor with with such an appreciation for the for the character. It's wonderful to hear, and we will come on to that because, of course, very significant that he is one of far too few black characters, characters of color, not just in Resident Evil but across the whole video game franchise. So, I'm sure not just to yourself but to many other black gamers, I'm sure Marvin really is quite an important character in in their video game life. Absolutely, yeah, and I, I've, I've had people specifically reach out uh, saying that and. and really just being happy and proud because yeah they've also felt the same just seeing their uh someone representing them and it's something that they love so much not just a throwaway character a character that really is prominent particularly in in outbreak and again in the remake although you've got claire and leon as the protagonists he he very much sort of takes the lead in in all the scenes that, that he's in yeah, because I think he really represents as well the uh, the tragedy of the story of Resident Evil, which is that this yes. virus is destroying the people you love and who, who love you and care about you. And there's nothing you can do about it. You're just absolutely helpless and have to make the best decisions in, in the worst case scenarios. Both Leon and particularly Claire, when they open up the underground section and they turn around very much in a sort of a, a positive way, like, you know, come on, Marvin, let's get you to a hospital, you know, and Marvin's just very much, you need to understand the grim reality of this situation. 
Yeah, and just the fact that his humanity, even though he knows that his life is is at stake, his humanity is not lost, and he wants he wants Leon and and Claire to make it out of there. Yeah. When you were cast as Marvin, what materials did Capcom provide you with in order to understand the man and familiarise yourself with such an iconic role? For example, concept artwork or uh, some sort of written biography? Uh, yes. Uh, well, actually, I, I didn't get much. I uh, The knowledge I had about Marvin going into even my first day was just from, as I said, my research and doing my due diligence on that piece. But uh, I remember the first day I got there, once you get into the mocap suit and into kind of the, uh, they call it the volume, the actual space that you step into, the computer reads the entire bodysuit, you're able to immediately see your character rendered on TV. So I was able to see Marvin for the first time as I was acting him. Uh, and it was just amazing. It was, it was immediate. Like I would move my hand and I could see on the screen the character rendered just as he is oh, in the video game that now. That would be so cool to see. It was so cool. And I was just doing all the dumb things that <laughs> who, who loved video games his entire life and was getting a chance to do. So, like, he was set in Raccoon City in the uh, police department where he's stationed. But there's no actual set of that. It's just a big empty space. So I was able to, like, walk him through walls, walk him through, like, the <laughs> like the, the bench and things and like do, oh, do all types of like yeah yeah do like dance moves <laughs> as marvin so like i had a full blast as him i don't know if they have any of that caught on camera but uh, i would yeah, love I gonna, to see that yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> it would be Watch great out to for see. that suddenly appearing on youtube or something the behind right. the scenes. <laughs> so but yeah no i didn't really uh receive too many materials but yeah once i got on actual set and was working i was able to see all the footage that i was doing that i was matching my voice to or that I was rendering through mocap, yeah. Just having a dance-off with himself alone. <laughs> <laughs> you up next, Oracle? Yes, I am. It's from me and Alan again. We both say the exact same thing. Have you gotten a chance to see the gameplay footage of the new Resident Evil or even had a chance to play the game? I have not had a chance to play it yet. Uh, I'm really looking forward to doing that. I haven't been giving enough time really to sit down and, and go through it the way I want to. But uh, I have watched hours of footage of other people's gameplay of it online. And it just looks amazing and seeing their reactions. Like I said, I remember seeing the trailer when it first came out and just having goosebumps at how eerie it was and how amazing all the graphics looked. And so I, I was truly blown away with what I have scene and i cannot wait to play it i particularly like that as well the fact that it's a modern remake they really did keep very much a dark spooky atmosphere yeah yeah it was it was really really nice i thought it was really amazing to see on to another question from the oracle dragon yeah there's and... quite a few <laughs> <laughs> some great questions for... yeah you ask very good questions and eliza de la cruz and they ask you must be and should be very proud of your performance how does it feel to be connected to such an iconic character held in high regard by the fans for years and with your portrayal of an extended role for marvin now even more so for many years to come it's truly mind-blowing, man. I, I sometimes wonder if I really have comprehended it yet. It's something I had to keep on wraps for so long. Like like I said, it's been at least two plus years for me having worked on it and really just now in February being able to talk to even like my closest friends about it, share details about it. So 
I'm still kind of just soaking it in. And uh, like I said, I feel like once I play it too, it will just really be an out of body experience because like I said, I'm a huge gamer myself. So I've sunk hours into games and I know how much they mean to me and they can mean to people. So if my character and my performance can mean as much to people as I know a lot of performances have meant to me, it's the height of what I could do as a performer, truly, truly. And I'm, I'm very grateful for it. When you do get a chance to play, you better let us know. Okay, I'll make you all you all the first ones I talk to. <laughs> let you hey know guys, I reaction. finally played the game. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. This is a great question. Hey, another one for me. <laughs> when performing a live capture of the pain and suffering Marvin was having to endure, did you feel connected to him, knowing that he was fated to die from his wound? Absolutely. I mean, you you really inhabit these characters and they become part of you and they really are part of you. I mean, every actor has their own process. uh, But for myself, specifically speaking, when I approach a, a role, I really do feel that we all as humans have experienced all the same emotions in common. They're obviously different situations, but our emotions and reactions are are almost identical. And so when I approach a character, I try to find what about them I can bring my experiences of life and my depth and understanding of life to. And uh, Marvin just had such a a selflessness about him and and such almost like a, a Buddhist mindset of uh, of keeping what's priority important and uh, not paying attention to pain and knowing pain is temporary and knowing even his situation of, of living is temporary, but the bigger picture of life continuing on and the human species continuing on being the ultimate goal. So uh, I definitely connected to his sacrifice and his... Uh, his courage. Yeah, absolutely. I think as an individual, he, he did something I think a lot of us might not be brave enough to do. I know a lot of people is going to be crying. Yeah. Because Marvin, he did so well with the performance. It's touched everybody because a lot of people did say that they actually cried when Marvin was, when you were talking to the characters, they just felt so sad. It really is a sad situation. Like, uh, it's not something that, you know, you throw on and you're like, oh, well, done with that performance. Like, if you really sit and think about it, this is a man who has a family who wasn't expecting this to happen. And now he's he's only got such a short amount of time to live. He he has to do what he feels is best. Just all those things that, that run through your head. I, you know, I had to imagine what that would be like. And it's it's terrifying. You know, it's it's really a scary thing. It's really quite emotional that that last line from Marvin, one of his last lines, because you talk about that Buddhist mindset. He's really tried to concentrate to, to really stay alive and to stop that turn to the zombie and keep that at bay for as long as possible, just to eke out every last second so that he can help. Yeah, yeah, because I think uh, I think people who are in this industry of service, like police officers or or firemen, they they are uh, motivated more so than their own um, self-preservation is by helping others. And so I think Marvin is, knew he would be at his best having a goal of, of helping these people to get out and survive rather than even his own survival. I think he, he saw what was going to happen to him and, and might have even, you know, taken another way out so he didn't turn. But, uh, you know, it just didn't happen for him like that. This next question very much speaks to that. It comes from Yoke. He asks, alone in the main hall of the RPD, why do you think Marvin didn't choose to end his own life like so many who are doomed to his fate? I think it's because he wanted to keep helping until his very last moments. Oh, absolutely. And I, I think even more than that, as human beings, you know, we our will to survive is 
the strongest thing in this universe. Like uh, unless we have truly given up, we will find any means in order to keep going. And so I think as well as not wanting to turn and to keep helping uh, everyone else, he, he wanted to stay alive for himself as well. He wanted to keep living as we all do. You know, if faced with such dire circumstances, you want to try to find a way out. Which comes to this question from Eliza de la Cruz. What do you think Marvin was thinking about in order to resist zombie infection? <laughs> what were his last thoughts before he died? Oh, man. <laughs> I'm trying to think back to, yeah, when I was performing kind of that, that turning scene. I think, um, I think you know, the infection spreading to his mind. I'm not sure he was really in his right mind leading up to the end of it. But I think when he was, it was definitely how he could both be of assistance to Leon and Claire and also not ultimately hurt them if he were to turn. Like, what could he do in order to um, in order to keep from becoming this this part of this horde that he has been fighting off? Lieutenant Branagh, Marvin, it's time to go. Hey, Marvin, <laughs> we need to get you to a hospital right now. No, no, I uh, save yourself. Come on, I've got you. No. Look, we can still make it out of here together. You just can... It's too late. I tried, Leon. But I couldn't stop it. We both know how this is going to end. Get out of the city. We can't let this thing spread. It's on you now. Just go. There was no specific scene for Marvin actually turning into a zombie. I think that was always intended to be something that happened off camera. Yeah. Then, mm. I, I if, you, if you were to return, yeah, you would then find out. Yeah. Because in the original, you come back and you get ready to talk to him and Marvin changes right in front of you and tacks. Yeah. <sighs> Marvin. Oh, no. Damn it. <laughs> This next question comes from Luna Indie Studios from Ohio, and he asks, if Marvin had been well enough to travel with Leon or Claire, do you think he would have survived the T-virus outbreak? If so, what particular character traits do you feel would have played a key role in Marvin's survival? Oh, I absolutely. I, I think Marvin is an absolute survivalist. I think if he had not been fatally wounded, he definitely would have made it out of the police department and, and safely out of Raccoon City. Uh, I think the fact that he was injured and was able to still uh, fend off and kind of barricade a little safe section for himself. And he pretty much saves Leon in the, in the beginning when they when he, they first introduce each other, when Leon is running from the zombie. Yes. I think uh, I think he definitely would have made it out and uh, would have been fine. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, really, I'm sure Aaron agrees. I'm really pleased you said that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you ready for the next question? Yep. Marvin Branagh is one of very few black characters in the Resident Evil series. Moreover, it is fair to say people of colour and other minority races are underrepresented in video game narratives. Whilst this may not surprise you, Chris, what are your feelings on this and was it an issue you considered during your time on set? 
on set, I can't say that it's something that has crossed my mind, but uh, definitely as someone who is a huge fan of just pop culture in general, and uh, as I said, a, a self-professed nerd and geek on many things, growing up, it wasn't something, like I said, until I got a little older that I started to notice. And um, and I get it in just the larger scope of history, how things have evolved and how people of color and, and, and women haven't been given the same uh, opportunities in order to have a representation in popular mainstream culture. So there's a large battle in that. But um, it is amazing sometimes to think of things that are so popular, like say a Resident Evil or or even something today like Game of Thrones, like there are mm. little to no. I think I remember seeing one black character on Game of Thrones, and it's one of the biggest popular piece of culture in a long time. And it's not something that we think about or even register sometimes because it's just the norm. Where in the flip side of that, something like Black Panther it is such a big cultural shock because you don't see on a regular basis an all-Black cast. And when you do, it is usually labeled as a Black thing or a Black piece of culture instead of just popular culture. Yes, um, yes. In that aspect, yeah, I've, I've thought about that. Sticking with the survival horror genre, there's The Walking Dead, which has featured black characters, but I'm not sure if, as a black actor, this was something that you picked up on. I certainly saw this evidence throughout the series that many of the black characters were killed off far too prematurely. If they kind of needed to kill a particular character, mid-level cast, it always seemed to be the character of colour that was killed off. There's always that that kind of old adage of you know in the horror films or the uh, the the uh, the scary films the black character is often the first one killed off. It's yeah it's usually because as I think diversity is happening the first introduction of uh, any minority character weren't um, necessarily that important to the story. So yeah they could be sacrificed uh, in order to uh, help meet the gore the gore meter. Yes. Yes. I think that's starting to change. There is starting to be more uh, representation. I think people just want to see more of a, you know, a diversity, a, an inclusion. That's all. I remember hearing this line, but I can't remember it fully, but it was a black character that was saying it. White people are always looking for trouble, and us black people are trying to get away from trouble. <laughs> yeah, sure. Usually, yeah, there's like a joke about, uh, yeah, in horror films, it's usually uh, the Caucasian character that's trying to go towards the noise instead of. Yeah, yeah it's like, why well, do you guys keep going to trouble? We need to leave, but we need to investigate. <laughs> Shut up, my there. I don't care. <laughs> right. The movie's over way too quickly, and you can't enjoy it, right? <laughs> if we run away from it. <laughs> I just wish I remember what that was from because I could still remember how it played out because guys like don't go that way let's just leave (laughs) (laughs) right right yeah like a symbol for that awful trope that you're referring to with the black characters in horror being the first to go he's a wonderful actor the chap in the shining who comes to save the day and then walks into the house and immediately is axed Scatman Crothers, yeah, because I, I knew he was famous for something else, too, yeah. Okay. He was an actor and a musician, actually, yeah. He meets that fate as well. It's just like the guy from Resident Evil 7. As oh. soon as he comes in the house, he's killed. Yeah, yeah, he does. And I mean, in a lot of films, if you think back to like uh, The Predator with Arnold Schwarzenegger or mm-hmm. uh, Aliens, the black character dies pretty, uh, pretty early. Yes. Yeah, so it's uh, I, again, and I don't I don't I don't think these are malicious intents. I think it's just 
as culture is introducing uh, more people into it, it's it's usually a, a spoon feeding rather than a big flood of things. But now, you know, we have with, with Jordan Peele kind of taking on the whole horror mantle. I think he's really doing some interesting uh, storytelling. Okay, this question is from Bloody Eye again, and he says, as a black man, do you think this character was represented in a positive way? I absolutely do. Um, I feel like I was born in a, a generation, uh, and I'm from the South originally, where obviously there's always been a lot of racial tension, but I, I was kind of born in a generation where I feel like I was lucky enough to not have to consider myself a black man yeah. first, like black first, and then a man. I, I, I always just consider myself a person, a human being. And as I continued on to into the world, I saw that other people might not... <laughs> might not see me the same way. And so that was kind of an adjustment. But um, I always approach the character as just a human being first. And uh, I think I think Marvin is, as I said, I think he's an upstanding citizen in general. I think anybody who is willing to lay down their life for their fellow man or woman is someone we should look up to and, and, and strive to be like. And uh, I think in the face of such adversity, he kept a cool head and was able to able to save some lives and if that's not a hero i i'm not sure what is <laughs> i hope you agree i think it was important to reflect in the questions that people of color are underrepresented in in the video game genre so i hope we've struck a balance with them not wanting to focus too much on that as a factor but at the same time not shy away from these issues Oh, sure. No, of course. I think it's very important to talk about. So I'm no, I'm glad we brought it up and I'm, yeah. I'm willing to talk about it in depth as much as you want, because along with the fact that there is uh, an underrepresentation, there is also a lot of misrepresentation in the representation <laughs> that there is. So the uh, the few representations you do see usually of an African-American man in particular, it is something violent or angry or uh, or something nefarious. And so that does also pump into popular culture a certain image that is that is hard to shake and ultimately affects lives in a, in a real way. So uh, I think it's very important to talk about. And I, I appreciate you really wanting to bring it up as a topic. I must quickly ask, because of something that came out in, in your question, if you watch American Gods. I've seen the first episode, but I haven't seen the entire series. But I, I actually started reading the book before the series came out. So I'm a little I'm familiar with the story. OK, because I think it might be just in the first episode with Orlando Bloom, who appears as the god Anansi on a slave ship. The slaves in chains are praying to him and he appears. He's got all the knowledge of the future so he can see the, the next 400 years pitying their naivety and their ignorance and he looks at them and he says you don't even know that you're black yet the moment that these dutch slave masters let's call them landed on your shores and decided they were white you were black that first scene with orlando bloom it's an incredibly powerful scene Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, uh, I'm a big just uh, I study a lot of things in general. And, and as I think a lot of people know, you know, race was something that was invented. There is nothing that genetically separates us uh, by skin. It is it's literally a thing we use in order to categorize ourselves yes. almost like animals. It's really a, a frame of mind, man. Like you said, it, you, you don't know that you're different until someone who thinks that you are tells you that. Absolutely, uh, yes. Yeah. Very valid point. Absolutely. Staying with that, Bloody Eye says, how do you feel portraying a black officer considering the historically shaky relationship in the United States between people of color and the police? 
Yeah, that is a very uh, interesting place to be in, 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 in a diagram in the, in the middle between the two, because uh, along with the uh, tense relationship that African-Americans have had with uh, the police in America uh, specifically, there have also been a history of African-Americans in the police uh, serving and also in the army. And so as in many things in America, there's a huge duality. There's a duality of pride for the black citizens who have served in the forces and and for police officers. And there's also a mistrust in the community in general, not for no reason, like for documented uh, historical things that police districts have done in the black community in order to breed this mistrust. So um, there, there's always that kind of historical pressure on your shoulders when you're approaching a character, uh, specifically as a black actor that's uh, portraying a cop. But at the end of the day, too, as I was saying, I'm a storyteller and uh, Resident Evil is a, is a particular piece of art. And so when I was approaching it, you want to make sure that the, the heart of the actual story is what you're is what you're tapped into. And so I saw that it was a it was more so a human story, as we were talking about, about survival, about about love, about wanting people to uh, to survive and to continue on. And so I, I can't say necessarily him being an African-American cop played into any of my um, any of my performance. If, yeah. if there was anything of that of that nature, it was just uh, natural for me and my upbringing and culture. But uh, there have been other performances that I've had as a cop in a short film that I, I did entitled Caliber. I portrayed a cop who came back, particularly who has PTSD from uh, from Iraq. Just the challenges, again, of the, the stigma of the angry black man. You already have that. He's fighting that in his head. Right. He's also a cop. So he's he's fighting the mistrust of his own community and also just being a human being who wants to help people. He is in his best way thinking he wants to he, he's helping his community by being a cop. So. There's just such uh, so many places that the average human is torn between and um, all those things live inside of you. But, yeah, unless it, it's really feeding into the story, sometimes it, it's best not to let those things inform a lot of the uh, performance. And there are parallels, again, with that similar role playing police officer Mike Banner, who's fighting to keep someone else alive, isn't he? Absolutely. He uh, in, in the story, the officer is called to a house on a domestic violence dispute. He has to kind of protect uh, this family from the father who's kind of lost it. But the father is also a Marine who is suffering from PTSD. So it's kind of this story about how do you help the people who are closest to you who might be causing the pain, yes. but also get help for them as well, because they're hurting due to their their honestly their selflessness. He, he went to war in order to, to fight for our country to keep us safe. And uh, he's come back and we haven't done our due diligence as a country in order to heal the uh, mental and spiritual wounds that they might have yeah there's there's so much to touch on man and just the uh the psychosis that goes on in in a people you know in general resident evil fans that may not have caught that performance and, and certainly would want to check it out it's the film caliber from 2017 and they won't be surprised to hear that you um from your performance in resident evil as marvin that you won a film festival best male actor award for for that performance in caliber Yes, yes, I did. I uh, I was lucky enough to win Best Actor in this in a in a short film festival, and uh, that was also a role I just I really poured my heart into. So it's it's always great to be recognized. Okay, the next question comes from Cosmic Virus, and she says, "What do you think of the weird mods that were released for the game, specifically the ones used to manipulate emotion settings, thus altering the original performances given by the actors on set?" 
Well, I've had the pleasure now of uh, recently seeing these manipulated videos. It is just amazing <laughs> the things that people come up with to do and, and how they can alter these images and these moving like videos. I think it's so amazing to see like where this will go. If, if you put this up 500% or pull this down 500%, <laughs> I, I love these type of videos. So the more that people can come up with weird stuff to do with the animation, please do. Watch you watch, you can't stop because it's so good. Yeah, it's so intense. Wow, yeah. It gets more funny when they do the 500% body animation for Marvin. <laughs> oh, wow, yeah. Marvin's face is disturbing, yes. <laughs> He's already a zombie. Right. <laughs> see, I take the series far too seriously, and I just think this is blasphemy. Well, right. we just wanted to see what he thought of it because it's pretty funny. <laughs> oh, wow, yeah. I'm looking at it now. That's really funny. <laughs> I'm a grumpy old man that thinks that's a lovely, generous and kind response because, you know, <laughs> you've given a performance and then someone's come and kind of altered it. So that's a great, generous take on it. Hey, at least it. the modders will be like, yes, he recognized us. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> Don't encourage them. <laughs> it's all part of the fandom to me, you know, if, if you enjoy the if you enjoy the art and the material, hey. Yeah. Do do what you will, yeah. Absolutely. Well, this next question comes from our very own The Oracle Dragon. Was there any unused dialogue or additional scenes that were cut from the final game? And I know that also speaks to a question we got from Wesker's report that mentioned potentially having a scene with Marvin turning into a zombie being cut. Was there any of that cut material that you may want to speak about? Uh, as far as I know, for my character specifically, I don't believe I don't believe there wasn't anything I did that wasn't used. As a matter of fact, I think there might be some uh, alternative versions of things that weren't put in. But uh, for the most part, every scene that I acted in as Marvin kind of came, uh, yeah, came through from the game. From what I've seen so far, I do know that I helped to also voice some of the uh, the zombie noises in general. So I'm not sure like which sections those are. But yeah, as far as I know, there was nothing that I did that wasn't included in the uh, final game with that performance that you give it just have been such a fantastic opportunity to have some extra content some dlc involving marvin's last moments like a side mission that he, he goes on just before he turns so um well fingers crossed here's hoping with the potential with resident evil 3 Capcom, right. give us more Marvin. <laughs> we want Marvin. Yes. people put that hashtag out there we want more marvin <laughs> This next question is from Bloody Eye again, and he says, looking back on your time doing this incredible production, what is your fondest memory or moment? Okay, uh, let's see. Was it goofing off with mocap? <laughs> you know what? That does bring a large smile to my face, just goofing around on the mocap set. But uh, truly, it probably was just the first day for me because uh, everyone else had kind of been working on this for like two or three years at that point and I was just coming in and so I just remember sitting down in the uh, space in the volume where we do the mocap and we were all just kind of doing like intros for each other and uh, there was also the Japanese side of the production company that was there and so we also had a, an interpreter and just it all just felt so massive and I felt really a part of this big this big production and so Probably, yeah, for me, my first day working on set and coming in was probably the most magical and like the one I, I remember the most. Yeah. And it must have just been so wonderful working with, with fellow actors that share your passion for video games and, and this series as well. Absolutely. Yeah. We always learn from each other and, and exchange stories and, and talk about different methods and different people we've run into. It's, it's really like it becomes like a family after a while, truly. 
you are such a fan. This even came out when we asked the very first question, but uh, Yoke asks, are you a fan of the horror genre? And if so, what scares you the most? Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> like like I was saying before, the movies like Predator and Alien, I watched those as a child because my dad, he's a big cinephile as well. And so he really put me onto movies early. And so I, I watched a lot of things I probably shouldn't have. You had such a cool dad getting you into video games and, and, and Alien and, and Predator. <laughs> <laughs> I credit my parents for a lot of my artistic side because, yeah, my mom was okay. a big movie fan and my dad loved music and movies and video games. He's a big tech guy himself. He worked for a technology company for years and so he he's the kind of person who can take a an old school computer apart and put it back together okay yeah he really helped to foster just my love for technology in general and so anytime there was like a new gaming system or a new game that i really wanted i could i could usually have uh, talk him into getting it to me man so i i, I have a him to thank a lot for that it's not just Resident Evil 2 that you're a part of. Uh, you were nominated for a Star Award for Best Supporting Actor for the short thriller film Loved Ones. Yes, yes. I was uh, fortunate enough to be able to be part of a, a, a short horror film called Loved Ones that's actually they're looking to turn into a uh, an episodic series. Uh, they, the creator at first wanted to do a film and then thought about it and figured that the story could actually do better as a series. So, uh, oh. uh, yeah, yeah. So this is kind of the, our pilot presentation that we're shopping around right now. And it's just a really cool, really cool horror story uh, surrounding a, a female protagonist. It's kind of a set the future post-apocalyptic and uh i play kind of this really mysterious uh character you're not sure what his intentions are when you first meet him and uh it was written and directed by Ryan Nichols, who's actually a, a special effects artist out here who, who wants to breach more into the uh, the directing canon. So he, he wrote this film, and uh, so it, it has amazing special effects because that's what he focuses on. And uh, it's a really just a special a special story, and uh, it's something else I'm really proud of. So, yeah, if you'd like to go check it out, it's called Loved Ones. In all the places that our interview is hosted, on our YouTube channel, Survival Horror Podcasts, and on our website, Crimson Head Elder, we will have links to all your work. Your fans can go and check out that film. Awesome. Fantastic. All right. This question comes from Albert Wesker 187 again, and he says, What is your most loved production and character that you have been part of and played up to this point in your career? Hands down. It's Marvin. It has to be. It's Marvin and being a part yeah. of, this, of this series. How could you say anything else? <laughs> Not even a question. Yeah, I don't I don't have to fake the funk about that at all. <laughs> I, I've loved being a part of this series and, and joining this this franchise. It, it has been a literal dream come true. So Resident Evil 2. <laughs> For the win! For the win! <laughs> oh, fantastic. <laughs> well, that, that really leads us nicely on to the last question. This comes from the Oracle Dragon. No favouritism at all, I can assure you. Um, <laughs> apart from your amazing work, Chris, with Capcom, what other interesting things have you been doing that you would like to share with your fans? Are there any projects you are working on that we should watch out for? Uh, yeah, absolutely. Sure. Uh, on Netflix, I'm part of Kevin Hart's Guide to Black History. As you uh, said in the intro, I play Robert Johnson. It's, and it's a really fun kind of review. If you've ever seen like Drunk History, it's almost like that kind of version of uh, famous uh, black characters throughout history. I was just part of uh, another pilot series called uh, The High Life. We're shopping around right now, and hopefully it'll get optioned and picked up somewhere, written by uh, Stephanie Sanditz. And um, yeah, yeah, you can also catch me on uh, SEAL Team. I just did a guest star on an episode of uh, the show SEAL Team on CBS, episode 15. 
just check out my website. I keep a lot of things updated there and some more of my work. You can check it out, ChristopherMWatson.com. I just wanted to thank you all again for having me on. This was a blast and I really appreciate it. Thank you so very, very much. It's been an absolute joy for me. I've, I've loved the character from the moment we saw him in Resident Evil 2. We were all so concerned, particularly that the old school fans that had grown up with Resident Evil 2, how this legendary game was going to be remade, retold for a modern audience. And we had so many reservations and concerns that they may lose the original spirit. But with right. that opening scene that we saw from you, it just put all those reservations to rest. You absolutely really did knock it out of the park. Your performance was fantastic. Hopefully see more of you in the series. Thank you so much. I really appreciate that. You guys have been fantastic. I, I, I wouldn't mind at all passing your information along. <laughs> Thank you. <That's> a... <laughs> hey, we got to try. We got to find as many as we can so they can share their stories. Right. Yeah. I want people to listen. Hey, absolutely. Thank you all so much again. I really had a fun time talking to you. Oh, it's been a pleasure. Thank you. Don't be a stranger. Definitely not. I'll look you all up on social media. Yeah. Awesome. (laughs) Awesome. Great. Bye. Come on. Hurry. Come on. about me just get going no way i'm not leaving you behind whoa oh my god you don't need to worry about him rita he was born to be a cop It'll take a lot more than that to stop a tough guy like him. Hell, we haven't even finished training the new recruits yet. Right, Marvin? I'm not dead yet. <laughs> 